I think sometimes we see what's going on in our own country, in our own nation, and rightfully so, because some of the situations and circumstances are overwhelming. But it can cause us to forget what else is going on around the world. And this morning I'm going to tie that video into what it is that we're going to talk about today. Buzz and Myrna Maxey have been there for years. They grew up there. They had the opportunity to minister in a variety of places all over the thousands of islands of Indonesia. They have been there through all of those circumstances, and they are one of our partner missionaries. Ben and Ashley, the younger man that was in that, is Buzz's son. They were here last year before they went out and served overseas, and they're there in the middle of all of that, so I know they would really covet your prayers. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to partner with others that are taking the gospel to the end of the earth and dealing with circumstances and situations that we may never see, but because of our support, encouragement, and prayer, and giving, we're a part of that. So protect them, use them in really profound ways as they minister in such devastating circumstances. Father, it's hard for us to even fathom what it's like, but we know you're there in the middle of it, and we pray you'll continue to use them in a hundred different ways as they minister to those around them going through such deep waters. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. You have your sermon notes in your bulletin. I encourage you to take it out. There's a question, a couple of questions that I ask at the very beginning of that. One that I actually talked to you about last Sunday morning. Have you ever been in circumstances where things didn't go as planned? Any of you ever been? I know most of you can't relate to that at all, but I got to believe that every once in a while you've been in one of those circumstances where things didn't go as planned. Now, I know you get those instructions, and it tells you this will only take 30 minutes and two tools, Right? Normally for me, it's 30 days and 60 tools and $100 to pay somebody to please do it for me because I don't have a clue what I'm doing. You have those situations in life where you thought it would go this way and that ended up going that way. Sometimes it's minor events. Sometimes it's pretty major events. Got to ask you a question. If I asked you to hold a post for me while I hit it with a sledgehammer, would you trust me to do that? I know you're debating. You hit your wife in the head one time accidentally with a sledgehammer when you ask her to hold a post for you and she'll never do it again. I don't understand that. <laughs> Putting up a fence, keeping our dogs in, I just one time, honestly, I will, I'll hit that post every time and you miss once and hit her in the head and she'll never hold it again. I don't understand how that happened. You've all been in those situations where you thought this would happen and this was what happened. You heard our story a few weeks ago how we planned for two and a half years, saved and prepared for two and a half years, finally got everybody scheduled together to go away on a vacation that we had longed for for such a long period of time, only to find that the first day I'm sick, second day my grandson goes into the hospital overnight, and the third day we get evacuated. And I wasn't really overwhelmed with joy in all of that. And then as we did, I realized that Many of the people in all of those areas had to stay. They had no idea what they would return to or no idea at all what they would face. And then when you saw the pictures, you found the overwhelming devastation of that storm in so many places. And then every once in a while, I look at a video like this, and I'm reminded of how unbelievably blessed I am with others that are going through such deep waters. If we're really honest, when we go through those times that don't go as planned, we have a lot of questions and to be honest with you, sometimes we react in ways that we regret later or feel bad about later. Sometimes we act in anger. Sometimes we react in frustration. 
sometimes, to be honest with you, in a lot of confusion with a lot of questions, and then every once in a while you go through such deep waters and such a difficult and devastating circumstance, and you find yourself saying, God, what are you doing? I, I don't understand this. It doesn't even make sense. Help me. And so he does. He does it many times through the Word of God, through the people of God in a variety of different ways, but many times through the Word of God. This morning we come to the last half of Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 12, where Paul is answering a couple of questions that the Philippians had. Paul, how you doing? We know you were sent off to take the gospel of the earth to everywhere you went. You wanted to start churches all over the place. You wanted to go to Rome. You wanted to go to Spain. So how are you doing in all of that, and how's the ministry going? We'd love to know both answers to those questions. And so Paul writes back to them and says, I'm in jail. Certainly not what he planned. He'd been in jail before and will be in jail again, but it's not exactly the way he planned the gospel to get communicated. In Caesarea, in a shipwreck, now in Rome, back in jail again. They also knew he had a passion to do ministry. Not only just in some local places that he went, he had a passion to take the gospel of Jesus Christ all over Europe. Felt called by God to go there. He saw that vision in the middle of the night, the Macedonians saying, come help us, come help us, and so he does. Only to never see the end of that promise and to end up in jail. And so they say, Paul, can we ask you a question? How are you doing and how's the ministry going? His answer is found in Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. Now, I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the entire palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Jesus, for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here in defense of the gospel. Now, the former preach out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that somehow they can stir up trouble for me when I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether through false motives or true, Christ has preached. And because of this, I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers... And the help given to me by the Spirit of Jesus Christ that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, die is gain. If I go on living in the body, that will mean fruitful labor to me. So what do I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I really want to see Jesus. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but more necessary for you that I remain here in the body. I'm convinced of this, and so I know I'll remain. And I'll continue to do all of you, or continue with all of you, for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. If I were the Philippians and I had written that letter to Paul to say, how are you doing and how your ministry is going, and then I knew what he had gone through and I knew where he was at and I knew he was in prison, to be really honest with you, that's not what I would have expected him to say. 
And I got to believe that they probably didn't expect you. He seems okay with his circumstances. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that incredible. He's in jail, not able to finish everything that he was sent out to do, and he's okay with the circumstances because in the middle of it all, he continues to trust God no matter what. And I wonder, to be really honest with you, if I could have responded the same way. He's chained to a guard, most likely 24-7, never alone, always with someone, no freedom. Committed no crime, but there he is through the limited physical condition that he's in, even though his dream to be used by God in a mighty way in Rome and then off to Spain, even though his ministry didn't turn out the way he thought it could, it obviously didn't rob him in your notes of his joy. His dream may have died, but his joy didn't. And to be honest with you, that's incredible. I've read over this sermon a lot. I prepared it for the last couple of weeks, and I looked at it again, and I walked over it last night, and I walked through it this morning, and, and, I, and I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that as I preach this message, it is as much for me as anyone, because I don't always respond this way. I know you do. I know you guys get it, and you understand it. You always respond with joy to the circumstances that you don't understand and the things that don't go as planned. I don't always do that. So when I looked at this, I thought, I hope somebody gets what I'm sharing here this morning, but I know, oh God, you're speaking to me. I'm glad you're here because we get to walk through it together. Things did not go as planned, but those difficult circumstances did not have the power to stop what God was doing through Paul and in Paul. And that's an incredible statement. Circumstances did not turn out the way he thought they would, but it didn't have the power to rob what God wanted to do through Paul to other people and in Paul inside. His circumstances did not have the power to steal his joy, and only trusting in God would allow him to do that. Which is why in these last two weeks he prayed over and over again for us. That we would get this and we would understand that only by the power of Almighty God living his life in and through us could we do what he's praying would happen in our lives. And I look at this section of scripture and I say to myself, Paul, only you would be able to communicate through the power of the word of God to all of us 2,000 years later how to deal with the uncertain circumstances of life. Not only did things not go as he planned and the circumstances didn't turn out the way he thought, the second thing you notice in this section of Scripture, even the people he thought he could count on let him down. And even they didn't have the power to steal his joy. What does it matter? Verse 18, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of that, I rejoice, and I'll continue to rejoice. Rejoice in your notes means to return to the source of joy, not happiness. Happiness is circumstantially dependent. Everything going well, I'm happy today. You happy? Yeah, I'm happy. Everything's going okay. It's not circumstantially dependent. Joy is something so deep inside that regardless of the circumstances and even people letting me down, I'm going to be able to know that I go back to that every single time. If your source of joy is dependent on circumstances going well or everything in your life or everyone in your life always supporting you and speaking well of you, you are in for the roller coaster ride of your life. 
If your joy is dependent on circumstances going well or everyone speaking well of you or everyone you know be able to come through every time you ask them, you are on the roller coaster ride of your life. Because to be honest with you, circumstances and people are very unpredictable. I'm not diminishing the pain of difficult circumstances or the disappointment of people letting you down. Both are very painful. If you've ever been through those situations where the people that you counted on the most let you down or circumstances didn't make sense at all and things were going up and down all the time and the pain that you have to go through and the frustration of all of that, I'm not diminishing that at all. Both are incredibly painful. Paul is so unbelievably honest. 2 Corinthians, one of the most honest books in all the Old Testament, the New Testament, where Paul said, man, this is hard. Ministry is rough. This is difficult. Even here he says, i got to be really honest with you. There are days that I just want to go to heaven. I'll be really honest with you. This is so hard. This is so difficult. I'm so disappointed sometimes in people and so overwhelmed with my circumstances. I'll be really, really honest with you. There are days I just want to go to heaven. i got to believe that some of us, every once in a while, may have even felt that way in those situations. But he said, I want to stay here. Because I believe that what I'm going through and what I learned from it will be a benefit to you. And so I want to stay. At some point, Paul had made a decision in your notes that I cannot let my circumstance or people's opinions of me be the source of my joy. My source of joy has to be Christ. The important thing that Christ has preached because of this in verse 18, I will continue to rejoice. He said, I've got to return to my real source of joy. My circumstances may or may not change. People are fickle. I know you're shocked by that, but they are. One day you're the greatest. One time you let them down and disappoint you, they write you off. Paul would say, even though I'm uncertain about my circumstances and very uncertain about people, one thing I know for sure, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I don't know what you worry about from day to day. But Paul wakes up every day wondering whether he's going to live or whether he's going to die. And that's a pretty big weight to bear. It's one thing to come to that situation or time in life when you're not sure what the doctor's going to say or what the outcome of the surgery is going to be. But Paul literally wakes up every single morning wondering whether or not I'm going to live through the day. There are two things regarding that. Sometimes I make my day's activities seem like life and death issues, and they're not. I mean, I can easily make things bigger than they seem. Do you ever do that? You know, I mean, now I have a tendency, you know, I'll walk into the house and it's a little bit too hot. This is 150 degrees in here. It's not 150 degrees in here. Or walk into another room. You could hang meat in here. You can't. So you always have a tendency to look at life and kind of over-exaggerate some of the issues that you face. But every once in a while, you find yourself in situations that you act like it's life and death when it's really not. Even though your kids will say, I'm going to die. I just feel like I'm going to die. None of your kids ever said that. But if you have children that you've heard somebody say that, it's not always that big a deal. But sometimes the opposite really is true. Sometimes my day is really dealing with life and death issues, and so could yours be. And because of that, I recognize very carefully that I can't take life for granted because a phone call could change your life. 
I'm aware of the fact that sometimes we get things out of balance. And every once in a while we think our problems are so overwhelming and so enormous that we need to step back just a moment and watch what somebody else is going through in a video that we saw here this morning. And then we realize that as difficult as my circumstance is and as disappointed as I am in this situation or person, I'm not there. And I'm not going through that. So there's two sides of those issues. One is don't take life for granted because it really could change in a moment, in a heartbeat, in a phone call. And the flip side of that is sometimes when we get so overwhelmed by our circumstances, we need to step back a little bit and look at what else is going and what others are dealing with. And sometimes then ours isn't quite so bad. We look at our circumstances and situations in our lives and we get them completely out of balance at times and bent out of shape. We can love a church for years, think it's the greatest thing going, but it does something that we don't like or something we don't agree with and we throw it all out. And now we don't like or trust anything. I've seen people do that with their spouses. I've seen people do that with their kids. You may have great kids. Use your imagination. You... (laughs) You may have great kids, and they make one decision, bad decision, and all of a sudden you don't trust them anymore. Maybe your life is basically going reasonably well, and you're singing, and you're singing songs, and you love life. You've got joy, and then one day things don't go as planned, and all the joy of your life gets sucked out like the air in a balloon, and that joy goes out the window through that one event. Or maybe God blesses your life in amazing ways and then one day he says something you don't understand and all of a sudden your relationship with God begins to change. You have a couple of choices at that point. Either throw everything you know about God out the window or you come to the point of saying, God, I'm going to trust you in the middle of all this even when I don't understand. And to be really honest with you, I don't even like what I'm going through right now. But I will trust you because you are my rock. And my foundation. Everything we sang this morning fits into the context of this message. Most of us, if we're really honest, are overwhelmingly blessed by God. But there are times in life where things happen and circumstances come our way and physical issues or relational issues or whatever it may be comes our way. And if we're not careful, our relationship with God can begin to change and Even we sometimes, I've seen people back off a little bit and maybe even back off in their relationship with God. And there are times in your life, to be honest with you, where God will do things that you won't understand or permit things or allow things that you won't like at all that I don't like at all. And you have to decide, do I trust you or not? Paul could easily say, I never saw this coming. I mean, I know it was a risk taking the gospel to the end of the earth. I never saw it spend so much time in jail. But he said, I know in verse 19, through your prayers and the help given to me by the Spirit of Jesus, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Which is another thing you'll find in this circumstance, that many times how we handle our circumstances can be a benefit to other people as we're either going through it or come out the other side. How we handle our circumstance can many times be a benefit to other people as we're going through it when they watch our lives or what we learn as we come out the other side and then share it with them. 
I'm only going to stay in Philippians this morning, but Paul later in Corinthians will say, I just want you to know the comfort you have found in me, I want you to pass that along. I want you to share with others what you have learned. I know going through this is really hard, very difficult. You don't get it. You don't understand it. You don't even like it. But as you're learning things, as you're finding that I am your rock, that you can count on me, I'm going to provide for you every once in a while somebody else in your life who is going through a similar circumstance, and you can encourage them. You can help them. You can tell them what you've learned. You don't have to give them every lesson and every verse you've ever memorized in Scripture, but you can at least be there with them and say, I just need you to know I've been there and I'm, I'm walking with you. You don't have to tell them you understand because most times you don't. You don't have to say, I feel what you feel. You don't. But you can say, I remember being there and so I want to be there for you. And then when God opens up more doors, you have the opportunity to share. And one of the things we see in this context here is that the things that Paul learned, he now is able to share with us. He never saw the end results of his vision. That desire to go to Macedonia, take the gospel to Rome and Spain and all over Europe, he never saw the end results of that. He never got to spread the gospel to the places that he hoped he would. But what Paul didn't see was the amazing significance of his writings. Paul wasn't sitting in that Philippian jail or that Roman jail saying, this is awesome. I'm writing a Bible. This better be good. Not at all. He's writing a letter. He's writing a letter to a church he loved, answering those questions. How am I doing? How's the ministry going? And that's what he's doing. He's obedient to the Spirit of God. And God is telling him what to write, so he writes it down. He could have easily said, you know what? I do not like this. I'm not even going to tell anybody about it. But he makes a decision to write it all down, to listen to the voice of God, to put it all down on paper, Timothy translates it, and you and I here 2,000 years later sitting at CAC are learning and listening to the voice of God through what Paul learned, even though he had no idea. He's not saying, I can't wait for this someday to go to Community Alliance and Butler because, boy, those people are awesome and they're going to get a lot out of this letter. He's just saying, Lord, what I'm learning I want to pass on. Even though he never saw the end results of so many of the things he hoped would happen. You and I may see the answers in this life. Sometimes we do not. You know that line, the truth will always come out? Not always. Sometimes you see the answers and why did I go through that or why did that happen? And, and, and now, okay, now I get it, I understand it. And sometimes you may never know in this life why you've gone through what you've gone through, why this has happened to you or why it's happened to someone else. Someday it, make all kinds, it may make all kinds of sense, but right now you may... Not have the answers. And one of the best lines out of Jim Dobson's book, When God Doesn't Make Sense, is this. At some point in our journey with God, at some point in our journey with God, our trust in Him has to be independent of what He does. Because I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing here, as sure as Jim Dobson is writing it, there will things that will happen in your life that you won't understand, and to be really honest with you, you won't like. And you'll have to decide, hopefully well before all that happens, that your trust in God is independent of what he does. Last Sunday morning after the service, I hurry up and drove up to Faith Fellowship, and I wanted to see Tom. Just lost his son, Jake. And I wanted to see him, and God orchestrated a perfect moment where we could stand there and just hold and hug each other and cry. And have to say, I don't get this. 
I had a brother this week who I love in Jesus. We've been together for a long time in other circumstances, and we love one another. He's in another church, and he walked up to me, and we've been praying for our grandkids because we both are in similar situation, and his grandbaby died a few months ago, and he said, God's timing was not what I would have expected. I'm in the middle of a church plant, and God took my baby. God took my grandbaby. It's not what I expect. Got a lot of questions, but I'm trusting him. I look at the situation on the video this morning, and I'm thinking, wow, I can't even fathom the overwhelming feeling of just trying to say, what do I do? Where do I go? How on earth do I help them? Yesterday morning, I get up, and I have my devotions, and then I always read what's going on around the world, and then I kind of turn to the Alliance and find out in an Alliance app what's going on in certain places, and I found out that missionary friends of ours, Todd and Debbie Adams, who had gone through a nightmare when they were ministering in Mali, transferred to Indonesia only to find out that their 21-year-old daughter died in a car accident late Thursday night into Friday morning. I said, God, that doesn't make sense. There comes a point in our life where our trust in God has to be independent of what he does or what he allows because there are times that we won't understand it and if we're really honest, we don't even like it. But our trust in him cannot change in the middle of all of that. The section in your sermon notes reminds us that sometimes God's children go through very difficult circumstances. And at some point in our journey, we've got to develop a biblically balanced understanding of suffering in your notes. A biblically balanced understanding of suffering. Can't do it all for you this morning or can't unpack it, but I'm telling you, there are so many different times in life where some of God's most trusted and gifted and incredible people go through some of the deepest waters of life, and it may be difficult for us to understand, but it's healthy for us to develop the fact that we can know that God is going to be with us through it all, but sometimes we're going to go through deep waters. Which, to be really honest with you, sections of Scripture like this come in stark contrast to the prosperity gospel that God is all about making you happy, healthy, and wealthy. People love to hear it. They flock to churches to preach it. The problem is it's not biblical. People love to hear it. They flock to churches that preach it. That God is all about making you happy, healthy, and wealthy. They love to hear it, but it's just not biblical. God is all about making us holy. And many times to do that, we won't come out healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. And at times he uses difficult circumstances to be able to do that. Much of the prosperity gospel would not preach in Haiti. It would not preach in Vietnam or East Africa or Mongolia or Indonesia. Church of Vietnam went through horrible persecution but today, 45 years later, after the CNMA missionaries pulled out, the church is over a million strong. Historians tell us when Mao Zedong kicked out all the missionaries after the Second World War out of China, there were less than 3 million believers in Christ. Today, according to Pewform Research, 67 million people in China are followers of Christ. But to get there, they have been through a nightmare. The section of Scripture also reminds us, there's so many lessons out of this piece, it also reminds us that God's truth can be spread from a variety of pulpits. 
Sometimes we evangelicals, and we're part of an evangelical denomination in the Christian Missionary Alliance, sometimes we evangelicals, we're not careful, Frank, think we're the only ones who have the gospel right. I don't always agree with everybody, and a lot of them don't agree with me. I don't agree with everything Swindoll or MacArthur does, and they probably won't agree with me. As a matter of fact, Swindoll calls me every once in a while and said, boy, I don't know if I'd have taken that that direction. But we all preach Christ. Sometimes we evangelicals look at mainline churches as dead and Pentecostal churches as too wild, but I know some wonderfully committed believers in all of them. And we cannot think that we have the corner on the gospel. Now, they know Christ and preach Jesus. They may do it a lot different than us, but if they preach that Christ is the only way, then we're on the same team. I know some wonderfully committed believers in all of them and very different approach to all of it. It doesn't even mean that all the preachers are, are real. As Paul says here, they're sometimes doing it with impure motives. Write down Numbers 22 somewhere in your sermon notes. That's a great sermon there, and I'm going to get to it maybe in the spring or the early summer, where God reminded one of his prophets that, you know what, I can use a mule to communicate truth. So so just know I can use you, just so you know. Paul not only found himself bound in chains where everyone thought he was spreading the gospel everywhere and could do it with freedom, he also had to deal with the betrayal of friends. In this case, people that he counted on, that he knew at one time were part of his fellowship. He doesn't deny it, he doesn't ignore it, but notice that he doesn't let it rob him of joy. And to me, to be honest with you, this section of Scripture is incredible. Paul always returned to the source of his joy. Verse 21, for me to live is Christ. My joy cannot be dependent on circumstances. My joy cannot be dependent on people. It's not that Paul wouldn't want his circumstances or the opinion and support of people to change. I believe he'd love for them to change. He's just not going to let it rob him of his joy. He lived with the certainty of death on a regular basis. But when your future is secure and you're certain in that, there's incredible freedom. For me to live as Christ, die as gain. I can't worry about whether or not my circumstances will change. Now, if you're uncertain about life and death and uncertain about your future, you should be scared to death. Because life is really unpredictable. And really uncertain. I'm just here to tell you you don't have to live like that. You can live with the absolute certainty. That no matter what happens. I leave this world. I see Jesus face to face. And no matter what I'm going through. He will never leave me. And never forsake me. Even if I have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He will never do that. And if you know Christ. You have the certainty of both of those. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. He'll never leave me or forsake me. He'll walk with me through the valley of the shadow of death. Somebody you know, maybe somebody here in the room, has been robbed of their joy. They've allowed circumstances or their past or people's opinions to kind of keep them chained. And like Paul, bound to this guy, they're, they're bound by their past or bound by their circumstances or bound by people's opinions of them and they're always worried about that I'm one of those but believe me this is just much for me 
I want every single one of you in here to love me and love every sermon I do and every way I preach. I, I get that. I, that's me. And sometimes if I'm not careful, I can be bound to that. I, I don't want my joy in who I am and what I do to be dependent on those things. So I'm just here to say I'm looking for freedom in that. If you are as well, it's available in Jesus. If you're uncertain about your future, that too is the most important decision you'll ever have to make. But it can give you incredible freedom to face the uncertainties of life. Father, I thank you for your word. It is unbelievably powerful. It's a lesson for me, so thank you for the things you're teaching me. It's a lesson for some of us here in the room, maybe for a lot of us, maybe for all of us in the room. So continue to keep our eyes on you. I can certainly see why Paul prayed that we would get that because we can't do this on our own. There's no way we can do this on our own. But through the power of Christ, when we return to him, we can. So speak to us. For those that are bound by the pain, the past, the opinions of others, or the uncertainty of life, would you speak now as clear as you ever have? the solid rock I stand everything else shifting sand thank you for the promises of your word and for the solidness of Jesus in the midst of all the uncertainties of life we come back to that as our strength in Jesus name we pray Amen. if you have children in kindergarten to fifth grade family experiences in 10 minutes opportunity for you to gather together as a family and learn what you're going to go through and learn this month. They're going to, believe it or not, talk about joy and contentment. What are the odds of that? But if you are one that's bound by your past, bound by pain, bound by the opinion of other people, or uncertain about your future, boy, you want to come here first and have somebody pray for you and then head that way. God bless you. Have a great, great day.